You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 299. I'm Tim Robertson, and there's David on his phone. (laughs) Phoning it in today. You're going to phone it in today. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) A lot of cool stuff going on in the tech world. Yeah, last couple of weeks yeah. and a lot of not cool stuff, but I don't know. Let's try to keep it somewhat positive today. Okay, we'll do our best. And I, you know what? I'm going to start right here. Um, I think this is pretty freaking cool, and I and I can't remember another company of this size with this popular of a program doing this. And that is Blizzard has released StarCraft One, the very first one free for both Mac and PC with updated uh, software so you can actually run it on a current Macintosh or a current PC. This is is nice. Um, I mean, there are places like Steam and then there's good old games, which I've talked about before on the show, where you can go and you can get old software that's been updated so you can run it on a modern computer. But you normally have to pay. And often for old software, it's not terribly expensive, but nevertheless, you still have to pay for it to reflect the work going in, uh, and instead Blizzard have made this available free as a promotional item because they are remastering the original StarCraft with modern assets. I think um, this is a brilliant marketing scheme. You get yeah. you get people who have never played it, or those like you and I who did play it when it first came out and are very nostalgic for it, and you give it away. Yes, it doesn't look great on modern screens because it is you know, very old software at this point, very old software. Um, and it is fairly large. It's a 1.7 gigabyte download. Well, you say it's fairly large by, uh, I have iPhone games that are bigger than that. Yeah. Well, that's true too, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's, it's free and you get people playing it and talking about it. And then a little bit later you have a brand new version of it. That's completely remastered that I think that's awesome. Well, not only that, um, I mean, one of the one of the reasons Star, StarCraft became such a huge success was because of the online play. You could play over a network or you could play online against other people. And the smart move here is that if you get the free version, when the remastered version comes out, they'll be running on the same server, so you can play against the remastered people. Yep. And that means you can keep your game state uh, and basically smoothly move to the new version if that's what you want to do, or you can stick with the old version but still play you know, epic online StarCraft battles with all the guys who are guys and girls who are playing the new version. So um, Blizzard have always been a, a company who uh, who understand that they're actually, you know, it's about making life as friction-free as possible. I know I've, I've bashed on them in the past. I, I, I came on down on them pretty hard over the, the need for Diablo 3 to require permanent online connection. Um, but uh, they... they they do recognize that you've got to help the players out in order to sell more software. I mean, they were one of the first software companies I was ever aware of that sold a, both a PC and a Mac client for each of their um, games in the, in the, on the same disc in the same box. Yep. They didn't sell them separately. They, they did that for ages. Diablo 2, which is another of their huge games with big online play, the servers are still up for that, and um, they've regularly kept that patch and updated so it will work on modern systems. Uh, and they've been doing that for almost as long as they've been doing StarCraft. So, uh, yeah, this is a company who, you know, recognizes that going the extra mile keeps people happy and can cash in on some of the nostalgia. It's a smart move. Yep. 
here is how old is this game? Some people may be wondering. And I just go to mymac.com and I type in StarCraft. And I posted the original review for StarCraft in 1999. But my history with StarCraft actually goes beyond before that. Blizzard, when they were a much smaller company, obviously, sent me in 98. And this was when my Mac was a downloadable, uh, basically a PDF. Let's put it that way for those who don't go too far back in the Mac. Uh, a downloadable magazine that you could get on AOL and eWorld and places like that. Um. They sent me a, a beta version of StarCraft. And I posted that in 98 in the in the magazine. And I had people offering me over $100 at the time to, to give yeah. me, to, for me to give them the disc, to sell it to them. Mm -hmm. That's how I anticipated this game was. So my very yeah. first look was 19 years ago on this game. That's how long this game's been around. So it's, a, it's almost a 20-year-old game. And yet, look at the excitement that's generated by Blizzard putting this up that putting this up there for anybody to download for free. Yeah, and and they didn't have to do this. No. They've they they did a sequel to StarCraft a few weeks ago, uh, a few a few years ago, and um, you know many companies would have abandoned the old software by now, and they're not doing that. They they're continuing to move it forward. One of the um, interesting enough, one of the most popular places StarCraft got up on the multiplayer side was in South Korea. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, yeah, and um, interesting enough, they've got an election going on over there at the moment, and one of the presidential candidates is actually, as part of his uh, promotional campaign, has released a bunch of free StarCraft maps. To, uh, you know, that's, um, that's, that's big government right there. <laughs> that's smart government. Yeah. I, th I, th I think this is just cool news. I, I, there's no negative for me. In no, this StarCraft, story. it really is a classic game. And, uh, yeah, the, you know, what you don't want to do is take this game and blow it up on an Ultra HD monitor because it is going to look difficult. It's going to be so blocky, it's going to be difficult to play. But the gameplay is the same as it always has been. So, um, you know, switch your monitor resolution down and, uh, and go play it full screen and you'll have a great time. I wonder what and they're going to do with the remastered version of StarCraft. Uh, basically, uh, apparently, it's exactly the same gameplay, but it's just going to have Ultra HD graphics. But, I mean, so I, the, I don't understand why they're doing this. Well, because I think a lot of people with uh, gaming rigs want to play. The, the problem is when you scale up um, graphics on an LCD monitor, most people don't like to run an LCD at, at non-native resolution. So um, they want to run it. If you run, I mean, if you've got a big, you know, nineteen hundred by ten eighty p monitor or something like, or, or bigger, I mean, even that small nowadays, and then you run up a six forty by four eighty game, yeah, you might have bad. to blow it up and it's going to look terrible. <clears throat> or sometimes you have to play it in a tiny little window in the middle of the screen. So um, yeah, there's 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 a demand. We'll see how we'll see how um, popular the remaster version ends up being. But um, this is a great way to, to stoke the publicity by, uh, by releasing the original one for free. You know, for a remastered version on high-res screens nowadays, that means they pretty much had to redraw all the assets. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine how much work went into 
remastering. This isn't just a game from a few years ago, and it, it, this is a, an almost 20-year-old game. Yeah, I would imagine that a lot of the original design, because obviously what you do with a, with a but certainly back in, in 2000, what you did with a video game was that you kind of, uh, an artist would draw out the character design, and then you'd kind of have to scale it down to fit uh, fit the blocky low res graphics you were playing and still make it look good. Yep. So if you then threw those original designs away, um, you haven't got much to work from if you're then trying to upscale those assets to make them look better on a higher monitor. So either Blizzard kept all that stuff, yeah, and, they did, and has it available, um, or alternatively they have some pretty good artists who've maybe been able to fill in the gaps. But yeah, a hell of a lot of work. And remember. 20 year old game means 20 year old not just the assets that were that were in the game when it first came out but all the additions and uh, downloadable content and uh expansion packs and everything like that that came afterwards so um a hell of a lot of work to do it's it's i'm i'm blown away that they did this to be honest i i yeah. I, I just it's so smart it's just such a smart thing to do yeah absolutely and um I, I mean, StarCraft is the sort of game you really have to play on a computer. It's not console-friendly at all. <laughs> they I, came I, out with a, uh, was it a PS1 or a PS2? They came out with a console version at one point, and it wasn't well-received. No. You, you, it really does require a keyboard and a mouse. I'm pretty sure that the, the sequel, the most recent sequel, had, had console versions. But again... Uh, taking that sort of game and putting it to a, a console is never going to be ideal. What do you think about them taking this and putting it on something like iOS, like an iPad? You know, I've I've always wanted to see, um, I, uh, see I, Diablo Diablo on the iPad. Yeah. Um, I think Diablo would work better than something like this. I, I think the problem with, with a um, real-time strategy game is that there's an awful lot going on and you have to do an awful lot of manipulation of the interface, and I'm not sure how well that works compared to one of one of the things that you you want to be able to do with a with a real time strategy game is do precise selection, and a mouse is ideal for that because you can very quickly band units and and then use the keyboard to um, you know create custom groups and stuff like that. Obviously, you don't you don't you can't count on having a keypad keyboard on the iPad. Um, you have to make it all through the touch interface. So I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it would be a challenge. I'm looking um, on my iPad right now because there was a game that I downloaded a few years ago now. I mean, it's, it's been a while. Oh, where is it? I know I left it on my iPad because I wanted an RTS game on my iPad. Yeah. And, and the problem as you just kind of pointed out, is the controls. Yeah. Uh, boy, it looks like maybe I down, I, I deleted it, or I just, I'm not seeing it. That's in, that's the problem. I, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah. Uh, what's that company that did all the crappy ports? Uh, game, um, what are they called? You know what I'm talking about. They, yeah, they would take popular the games. People who did like the, the Call of Duty clones and Gangstar Five and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm sure they called Game something. Game Loft. Game Loft. That's right. Yeah. Game Loft did it. This game I'm thinking of. And yeah, I know, I know the one you mean. I, I cannot find it on my iPad. Maybe I yeah. maybe I deleted it. Maybe. Uh, and they actually came out with a uh, a Mac version as well. 
And it's kind of a simplified Warcraft, but it does play very well. And to me, it was more of a proof of concept than anything else that you could do. This would be Starfront Collision. Starfront Collision. That is exactly right. Um, It's a good game. I actually enjoyed it. I think it was Gameloft's best game. Um, and it, it's a complete ripoff of StarCraft, no question. It's just, it's, it's a hundred percent ripoff. That's how they rolled back then. They're, yes. they're a bit better nowadays, but certainly back then it was about. Yeah, the, it was all arcade. copying. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I didn't care because I wanted StarCraft on my iPad and Blizzard, even to this day, still hasn't done that. Yeah. Uh, the only thing they've even done that I can remember is some Pirates game, which it was okay, but. It's like you guys yeah, have Warcraft, Warcraft Two. You have Starcraft. You have Starcraft Two. Why can't you put some of these on iOS? What, what's the big deal? If GameLoft can figure out the controls and make it work really well, you can't do that. It that makes no sense. They could yeah, take the time have- to make Starcraft, the original from twenty years ago, compatible with upgraded hardware. And they can also remaster it, but they they can't take this and put it on iOS. Well, well, maybe remastering is. I'm not, you know, I'm speculating here, but I would say with a a Retina iPad screen, you would need to remaster the original graphics anyway. So maybe once they've done that, um, it becomes more feasible. I would Um, bet you that the version that they're releasing for the Mac was converted from the PC version, not the Mac version of the day. Yeah. X86. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I'm, I'm, um, I I downloaded it, David, and I have yeah. yet to play it. I've just been really busy. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to. I'm going to jump right yeah, in. Yeah, I will and... do that. And by the way, I've just been looking. The only version of StarCraft that ever appeared on a console was on the, of all things, the Nintendo 64. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. That's Which is kind not, of strange. It's Yeah, the, yeah I yeah. bet that looked... You know what? I actually have that. Yeah. I, I actually have that. I could see it from here. Yeah. Up on my shelf. Uh, well, I never course, use you, it. You have everything video game related. No, I, I got a lot. I wouldn't say I got everything. <laughs> um, speaking uh, of video of, games. Talking of retro Nintendo. Yeah. Before we get to that, hold on a second, yeah. though. Speaking of video games, you know, I've been playing yeah. that new Zelda game on the Nintendo Switch. Uh-huh. Cole will sit next to me and simply give me advice as I play it now. I mean, he he loves watching me play the game. So what I wanted to do was, you know, let him play it. But I didn't want him to play my game. I wanted him to play his own. Yeah. For some reason I just don't understand, it. the Switch version doesn't support uh, multiple players, i.e. more than one person in a household playing the same game. So you can... If you've ever played a Lego game, for instance, you could have basically different players playing the same video game. Yeah, you different different save slots or profiles right. or something like that. Doesn't exist at all on this. If if I start a new game for him and it completely erases all my data. That's not what you want. No, it's pretty stupid. But he really, really wants to play this game. But here's the yeah. problem. I am really, really digging the game, and I don't want him to delete. I've spent, you know, over the last month, 50 hours on the game. Yeah, you don't I, I don't want to lose all that, but I do want my yeah. son to be able to play. Well, thankfully, 
the version on the Switch is exactly the same version on the Nintendo Wii U. In fact, it was mm-hmm. going to originally be a Wii U game, and they decided, you know what, we got the Switch coming, let's put it on the Switch. It'll be it'll launch with the Switch. So what I did was, um, right before we started chatting, I pulled my Wii U out of my office here, cleaning it all up. I haven't used it in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to put it in the living room. And I went and bought Cole, the Nintendo Wii U version of uh, the new Zelda game. Mm-hmm. And his thought was, Dad, you could sit next to me on the couch and I can play on the Wii U. And then you could play the Switch and we, we'll both be playing Zelda. He knows we're not going to be in the same world or anything, but he wants us both to be playing Zelda on the couch. Right. That's, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and um, yeah, uh, Breath of the Wild was originally going to be a Wii U only title before um, Nintendo kind of did a bit of a strategy pivot and kind of started working on the Switch. Yeah, and I think that's probably the best decision they've made in a very long time, and now you couple that with what you were about to talk about. Yeah. Something I just, I kind of get is either extremely brilliant or dumbfoundingly dumb. Well, look, look I mean, our, our knowledge of Nintendo's overall business strategies is probably even less than of a secretive company like Apple. I mean, nobody really knows what drives Nintendo, and they kind of often go, they appear to be going from feast to famine in terms of what they're doing. Some things they do stick and others don't. The things that stick tend to be very, very successful. The things that don't, like the Wii U, for instance, um, tend to cause them a problem. But one of the things they'd done recently that had apparently been extremely well-received was that... um, NES Classic Mini System that I talked about a few weeks ago. And, that and that you got one. Yeah, I've got one. And yeah, I have to say, it's in terms of if you have a, an itch to play classic Nintendo games, in terms, of, in terms of pick up and play and getting the actual experience of playing those games today on a modern TV, I, I don't think you're going to do any better. It's from the original developer. It's using the same controls. Um, it's a nice plug and play system nintendo support has always been pretty good so you kind of know you've got that behind behind you the problem they've had with this system is that people really struggle to buy it because they they never made enough and even though it's become more available recently it's not generally available you can't go down to toys r us or gamestop or something like that and find a stack of 50 in the corner and go and pick one up you are still struggling to get them and in that context, Nintendo has now decided that they're not going to make any more. I don't, I don't understand it. Now, here's my theory. I've got two. Theory number one is um, the Switch is a lot bigger of a hit than they were anticipating. And Nintendo's not some huge company. And that they really do need to focus their time and attention on the Switch. But that doesn't hold up because at this point, the NES is made. There, There's no updates yeah. for it. They just continue to make them they, in a factory and crank them the out. designs to a factory right. who, is not, who is not a Nintendo-owned factory. It's just a supplier. And they just say, keep making those until we tell you to stop. They're not developing new new games for it. They're not porting new software to it because it, it comes with the 30-odd games it comes with, and that's it. 
all right, people have found out ways of getting around that, but the point is Nintendo is not supporting that. So, you know, it should just be a case of stamp one out, put it in a box, repeat. Right. So that theory doesn't hold water at all. My second theory, I think, is actually what's happening. Nintendo made a lot of money off of it, and they're making a ton of money off the Switch and, and the new Zelda game. And that's not going to stop anytime soon. They've got a Mario Kart coming out for it next week. Uh, a, a new Mario game towards the end of the year. I mean, the Switch is going... 2017 is all about the Switch and video yeah. games. I mean, Nintendo has taken back that reign from Sony. At least in... Maybe not profitability, maybe not in market share, but in the hearts and minds of video gamers. No question. That being said... I don't think that their goal is just to sell a whole bunch of NES classics. I think their strategy is now, okay, the NES classic was kind of a, a, ta a, a, a case study, if you will. Most of those games are going to be on the Switch via, via virtual console, and it's going to be portable. Awesome. But there's still money to be made here. There's a lot of people, these retro collectors and people like you and I who actually grew up and, and was around when the original NES was being sold. Um, but the NES Classic isn't their only classic console. So I think the strategy is this Christmas season, in addition to Mario for the Switch, and people generally able to buy a Switch, they're going to have another product on the market, and it's going to be the SNES Classic, the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have that out there for six to eight months before it goes away. And then a year or two later, they'll have the N64 Classic. I think that's what they're going to do. And then when they're done with that, they'll, then they'll bring back the NES Classic. Oh, remember this from three years ago that you couldn't get? We're releasing it again with well, different yeah, games I, this time. I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I, I'm quite sure they will do all of those things. I don't understand why you have to stop selling the product that's still really popular and is in short supply in order to do those other things. The, the, the things appear to be completely and utterly unrelated. Unless you're worried about saturating the market. Yes, the that's exactly classic. right. That's exactly yeah? Well, that and Nintendo's got a track record going back to the Wii and probably before that of not having enough driving up the desire for people to want it because not only is it a good system, but people want it now because they can't get it. Right. Okay. But there's no point. I understand that, but I don't, what I don't get is why you would create pent up demand and then not satisfy it. The pent up demand is already there. People are still desperate for this system. You can see that by the fact that they're still trading for silly money on eBay. You know, but they're so de people are so desperate for the system that they're prepared to pay over the odds, well, you know, well over double what the thing costs new, in order to get one, right? So that's money that Nintendo is effectively leaving on the table. I, I've no idea what the margin on those things are, but I, I would imagine it's healthy because effectively they're a system on a chip running an emulator. They, they're not much more than a than a kind of a cut down Raspberry Pi type system in a box. You, you so, know why they're doing it this way? I think. Because you don't have to spend a dollar on marketing when you do this. 
they don't have to market this at all. So, again, so the money that they're losing, no they would have lost no if they would have advertised. Saving, yeah, but there's no point saving money on marketing, promoting a product that you don't don't sell anymore. Yeah, or what's what's going to happen? So, so pent up demand. So that will that will improve sell through on the Super Nintendo Classic. Yes. Yeah, but um, okay. So they're leaving money on the table today. For more money because tomorrow. Because there might be money that they can make at, at, at a better profit uh, towards the end of this year. I don't, I don't understand it. It doesn't – and as I say, I don't want to speculate that much on their strategy because I don't know what the hell – I think I've got a, a funny feeling that actually they don't have an awful lot of strategy. I think they're uh, actually quite – I think they're very innovative, but I think they're also quite traditional. So I think they, um, they're technically innovative and they're always looking for the next thing. But I think their response to what happens in the market is actually quite traditional. And I think a lot of these things are not particularly strategically thought through or, or, or perhaps don't have an, an overarching master strategy. I think they're just very reactive. But my point is, is I don't see really much upside at all to Nintendo to take a product that people really want to buy and say, no, you can't buy it because we're not going to make it anymore. Yeah, if you want to, what I would do, if you, if you think you want to build people or anything, is is, you know, take it off the market, come out with another version, maybe a, a version that comes out in a few months' time that actually does allow you to add extra games on, and and buy those games through, and that's sort maybe of that's thing. what and they're doing. Sell it, at, sell it at a higher price. Maybe well, they're going to be NES Classic do, Part Two. Yeah, if, but if that's what you're going to do, then tell people what you're going to do, so they know what's going on. No, the Nintendo doesn't you know, do that though. I don't, Neither does Apple. Get, a lot of companies don't, don't do is, that. Is, I don't. What I don't get is a linkage between stopping the NES Classic sales now and promoting the Switch. Virtual Console, frankly, all right. So it's portable if you put it on the Switch, but playing those games on a Switch is not going to be as good as playing them on an NES Classic unless you want portability because of the controls. Yeah. The Those control- controls, they, they're good, but you know what? It, it, the, the part of the whole thing is the whole nostalgia factor. It's basically taking a modern version of that old thing and playing it just the same way that you did when you were a kid. Yeah, and the Switch is not like that Switch. It's something different. Yeah. I, I, I think that they're going to come out with a different version of it or an SNES, and I think stopping I'm, sales I'm now sure without announcing a, I'm it. I'm sure there's a SNES Classic come, coming, yeah. oh, sure. and yes, I will buy one. Absolutely, I will buy one. But the point is, I've already bought a, a classic. I guarantee you that the same market who want the class, the NES Classic today, would also buy a fifty dollars Stairs Classic this this Christmas. Probably. So you're still leaving money on the table because there's still people out there today who would buy both of them. But and the money they, you're and, leaving and on the some table, of those people can't buy it because they. There's an awful lot of people who've just been waiting. They're saying, "Well, eventually demand will catch up with supply." Yeah, and I'll be able to go down to the store and buy one. I'm looking forward to that. And then Nintendo says, oh, you know what? If you want one now, you're going to have to go and pay through the nose on eBay and get no support and maybe get a brick in the box. It, it I, As I say, it just seems to be doing nothing but making a disservice to customers who are really keen for this product. And I, I don't understand that. You can't make money from something you're not selling. You, you can. And it's <laughs> called marketing. The money that yeah. they're saving in marketing... Uh, I, you know what? It, they, they've not. It's not exactly like they've been overly marketing this thing anyway. That's my point. Yeah, the, but the thing is, that if the thing is selling itself, then you don't save money on marketing by stopping selling it. But if you have too many on the market, 
And everybody wants bamboo. one, yeah, and everybody bamboo. gets there's one. A, look, there's, a, there's a, a graduated line between them having too, a saturated market and too many on the market and flooding the market and having none on the market. There's a middle ground there, which Nintendo has never tried to achieve. Well, here's, here's the question, not enough, or none, or they've gone from not having enough to none at all. Right. So how many yeah. people out there didn't get one that really wants one at this point, you think? Well, quite a lot. I, d- I don't think it's that big of a market. You've not been able to buy them. So I walked into a, uh, a Meyer. It's a local department store. Grocery store, clothing, video games, toys. It's a big store. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole and I went there two weeks ago, I guess. Uh, I don't even remember what we went in for. And he wanted to go look at the video games real quick. He wanted to see if there was anything new. Um, and there was. And he got Lego Lego World. It's kind of like Minecraft, but it's Legos. Yeah. So I let him get it. And uh, he's been playing it. He loves it. And I look on the shelf, and what do they got sitting there? NES Classic. One. One. That's One. exactly my point. I'm looking at a stock checker now for it, for the UK. There are none in the UK. Right? And this, and they only, it's not, um, there will still be some in the channel because they only announced they were discontinuing it a few days ago. Yeah? There are none. And it's not because everyone who wants one has bought one. Yeah? Because the only place they are, they do have them on, is eBay. And on eBay or, or Amazon Marketplace. And on Amazon Marketplace and eBay, they're selling above cost. Oh, way above cost. They're selling above 50 pounds. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I see them. I see them here for three hundred fifty bucks, two hundred, exactly. two hundred fifty bucks. So if the market can support them selling them at three hundred fifty bucks, well, you don't know if the be- market can support it because you just know people are selling them. You don't know anybody's buying them for them well, for those rates. Look on eBay, and I can tell you what what they've actually sold for and how many. Because uh, eBay will tell me that. I, you know, the point is, you're trying to pick the picture that, that there's been enough out there and demand has dropped off, and that's why they've discontinued it. I just don't buy that. I think that they did it to keep the interest in this product category high by losing a few sales now to make the next one a monster hit when they sell twice as many, and then they'll do the same thing. They'll pull that uh, yeah, one back, I, I, yeah, build up that I, demand. You know, it's, a, it's a fine theory, and it suggests a level of Machiavellian strategy that, um, you know, I think a lot of people ascribe to Nintendo. To be honest with you, I, I just believe that there are parts of the company who make these decisions who just don't get it. I, you know, they, they, they may, they, that may be the justification, that may be the internal justification. Oh, you know what, the next one will sell better. But you know what's better than, than money you might get tomorrow is money you can get today. Yeah, and this is not. But if you look at the past 30 years of Nintendo, I think that. We're we're not, but yeah, hang on a minute. We're not talking about a company like Apple with with billions of dollars in the bank. Nintendo was making a massive loss this time last year. Yeah? They cut, in in my view, it it doesn't seem sensible to me to leave money on the table when when your profit margins are not as healthy as, as, as they could be. They're just coming back from a, you know, the 3DS has been a slow burner. The Wii U has been pretty bad for them. Okay, the Switch is now a hit, but they've still got to ramp up and provide software for that. Yeah, I, I just don't think that... I don't understand how a company in, in perhaps not a brilliant financial position can turn around and say, here, we've got a monster hit on our hands. People are desperate for it. We're struggling to meet supply. You know what the best thing for us to do is stop making it. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand any strategy 
or any kind of business reason that makes sense for that at all. To disappoint your, the, probably your loyalist customers and your loyalist fans by turning around and saying, you know that thing you've been waiting for that's really, de- that you, really hard to get and everything? Well, guess what? You can't buy it now. You know, oh. and, and get, but, but look forward for the next thing because that's going to be really great. But you, uh, you're you, acting like, though, the Nintendo has been losing money or something. They have been losing money. Dude, they've got $10.5 in the bank. They, have they been could they could money. run a deficit for 20 years. They could run a deficit for 20 years and still have money. If you look back at the last 30 years of Nintendo strategy, now, have they every single system been a hit? Of course not. Has every game? Of course not. No company will ever have. Nobody's that good. But if you look at their 20, 30-year history in video games, and remember, this is a company that was started in the 1800s, uh, with playing cards. If you look at the last 30 years, for the most part, they've been brilliant in marketing and selling video games, and they've done it the Apple way. They're a closed system. They're very close to the vest. They don't give stuff away. They've been brilliant, and they've got $10 billion in the bank. I, I know. I, yeah, I see. Uh, that Last year, they issued a profit warning. Prof, uh, sales and profits were that were a third lower than expected for the for the, um, the pre-holiday quarter last year because the Wii U was kind of a flop. Yeah, the Wii U was a flop, but they they massively invested in the Wii U. Sure, they, last they thought year, it was going to be big, last and it wasn't. Year they reported a five point nine five billion yen operating loss for the half year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were str- the yen, the strength in yens hit them as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it's already was talking about 30 years, but you know what it's like in, in corporate finance. It, it's, it's the yeah, but you're looking at that. Yeah, but you're looking at that from a Western perspective. That's not how they look at it in that market. Well, I, th- I think they're master strategists in that if the, company. If the, Eastern, if the Eastern business perspective is to not sell things to people who want them, then, you know, that's, that's beyond me. I, I think the the reason they do what they do is to keep interest in their products long-term extremely high. So there's a buying frenzy when a new product comes out. Okay. And and I, they I, did yeah, it with the I, Wii. I, they did it with terms, the Wii U. Yeah, it, it, was, just, it was... Just to answer your, your point about... Well, let me finish. Mind. Let me finish now. Okay. They did it with the Wii. It was a massive hit. You couldn't get it for two years. They could not keep up with demand. The Wii U, not so massive, but that first year, it actually sold really well. Uh, the Switch, exactly the same thing. And now here's this secondary product, which, let's be honest, it was, it, from the outside looking in, seems like it was a pretty big hit. Not on the, the Switch scale of things, because it is just a little retro system that has, what, 30 games built in. But it's a nice little side business that they can start building that up as well with demand. I think that Nintendo really, really understands the video game market in a way that Microsoft does not. Sony is hit or miss, but they don't really understand it in the way that Nintendo does because they simply make the consoles and their focus is scattershot. They make a lot of products. Nintendo does one thing probably better than anybody else, and that's understanding the video game market. They... They rescued the home console market, and they've never slowed down. And I, 
it's easy to say, while well, they left money on the table, they're stupid. But <laughs> history would disagree with you. Well, time will tell, a classic phrase. But just to answer the question about demand, I've just brought up the sold page on eBay for NES, mini NES classics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, In the last five days, I'm seeing on here, um, well, how, how many are on this page? 250 per page. So in the last five days on the, on eBay UK, I've seen uh, at least 250 sold, uh, and pretty pretty much ev- well certainly every single one of them I'm looking here is selling for above 100 pounds, which is double the UK price, and the vast majority of them are above 150 pounds. So, so they're selling on. The price. So they're selling crazily since Nintendo said they're not going to make any more. Nah, you're telling me. no, because some of these are going huh, back to before before they announced it was discontinued. Hmm. Yeah, some. So quite a lot of them. I'm, I'm now I've got to the bottom of the page, and I'm now down to before the discontinuing announcement, uh, and they were still selling for over a hundred pounds back then. So Nintendo yeah. has a in product fact, that people this, are. Thinking, well, maybe I should put mine up for sale because a, I could make a killing. You could absolutely. So you know, you're telling me that again, Nintendo has that, a product that, is, that people that are Nintendo saying dying to, to buy. That's Nintendo saying to the people who want to buy this product from them, your only option now is to pay well over double what we would have sold it to you to some stranger for a used system. I, 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 what, how does that serve their, their, their customers? To turn around and say, your only option to get this is to go and buy it secondhand from some sketchy eBay dude. Until at, we come at, out with a new well version that triple, will sell well double. What, double. We, what we would have sold it for you. Until the new version comes out, and it will sell twice as many as this. Yeah, the, the, new, which, the new version, we're in April. Right. Yeah? This thing won't come out till November, December. Exactly. Perfect yeah, strategy. It's, it's dumb. I'm sorry. No. That, there's no other way of putting it. If anybody wants it's to contact and argue against me, but as far as I'm concerned, it's stupid. It's, it's it, brilliant. It, it's the best marketing it, they could have bought. Because when the new product comes out... Right. This holiday season, it's going to be, it's going to sell like gangbusters. Now they've okay, got so two massive let, hits this holiday let, season. Let me tell you, Tim, how I'm going to celebrate our 300th episode next <laughs> week is I'm not going to turn up to record it. Yeah. <laughs> There's always Owen. <laughs> yeah. That way, when people, when it, when it does finally come around, people are going to be gagging for it. Oh, they're probably yeah? gagging. So we'll do already. it around about <laughs> Speaking of gagging, did you see this? Uh, and I know you did because you're the one that's put the notes in here. A four hundred dollar appliances appliance that squeezes juice out of a bag. So, so this so this started as a Kickstarter, correct? Well, yeah, I think I think it originally started as a Kickstarter, and then it became a Silicon VC Valley funded, startup, Silicon yeah. Valley VC funded. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's this really cool looking thing that yeah. you you. If you're really into juicing, this is it. So you have to source uh, these bags of juice. Well, it's not even juice. It's it's just it's the pulp. fruit. It's pulp inside yeah. of a bag yeah. for your juicer. And they will only sell you the bags if you are an owner of the juicer. So you yeah. put this bag in. You close it. It's a super high-density oh, yeah. press, it's, and it's, it squeezes all the juice. $8 a bag. Yeah, $8 a bag for a bag of chopped-up fruit or yeah. vegetables. And it squeezes it into a cup. Oh, it's great. And it's $400, right? Yeah. But if you're really into juicing, I and look, let's be honest. There's coffee machines that 
people will pay will pay for that is way yeah. more expensive. So I don't want to disparage I someone that's a, I introducing. I espresso machine. Sure. Um, so you know, I, I'm I'm bought into the the general concept. And sure. Yes, I could buy coffee a different way and pay less right. per cup than I do, but it's a convenience factor. Exactly. Well, and these people yeah. probably think the same thing. They're getting the yeah. best of the best. They're way into juicing. And this is the Macintosh of juicers. Someone finally did it. It's it's an awesome machine, except <laughs> this cracks me four, up. Four and a half tons. Four and a half tons of this thing. Yeah, it puts onto the juice bag to get your juice out. Yeah, it takes about four minutes. <laughs> so a reporter <laughs> who has one orders the bags, and she just squeezes the bags. At the same time, the juice machine squeezing an identical bag into a cup, <laughs> and she does the same thing with her hands. <laughs> she does this. No, the machine, to be fair, the machine did get half an ounce more juice out. For $400. That's, that's going to add up. Like, yeah, $8 a bag. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the thing is now, now, there was obviously, there was quite a lot of lampooning of this product once this story they, I, was it the wall street journal or something yeah. they did the, the journalist so so once once they wrote this story there was yeah there was a lot of mockery um in in the tech sectors on the internet of of this product you know or what a bunch of silicon valley uh, you know never mind juice bags these guys are douchebags and you know uh, and um the, i think i think part of the problem is is unlike something like nespresso or keurig or some of these things these things are i mean we're talking four hundred dollars and eight eight dollars a bag for um for pulped fruit which you can get down the market for 30 40 cents is is a very very hefty markup and you know they 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 do a lot about they talk a lot about how you know they well the benefit is that the the machine won't, won't squeeze your juice if it detects that the bag is out of date um, which you know is it, it, either a, a disbenefit or a benefit, depending on your point of view. So they, you so know, they, so like, they went the Epson inkjet route, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, that's effectively what this is. This is this is basically oh. taking the Keurig coffee model and applying it to juice. Yes, but because it doesn't have the scale, um, it's much more expensive. Yeah. But the problem the problem is is yeah, juice is, uh, fruit is should be a commodity. Quite apart from the fact that a lot of people say that you're yeah, actually better just eating the fruit rather than juicing it yes. because you lose a lot of the goodness. But the other thing as well is their defense of this was so weak because, you know, this. yes, they then said, oh, well, you know, if it's out slightly out of date, we can prevent you from doing it. It's like, great, so I dropped $8 on a bag of, of pulp, and now you're telling me that, that I, you won't make juice from it because it, it might be 30 minutes out of date. Um, and also as well, they start going about, you know, quality and freshness, you know, what, and, and we can remotely disable a bag if there's a spinach recall. And it's like, oh my God, you know, the world has been in terror of bad spinach getting into the food chain. <laughs> no, all of these things were, were weak. And at, at the end of the day, this is a highly expensive processed product Yeah. because the stuff is not fresh. There's not a real piece of broccoli in there. They put it through a manufacturing industrial manufacturing process, probably pasteurized it within an inch of its life. And so this isn't this isn't fresh, this isn't real, this isn't natural. This is a machine squashing other machined parts to give you a cup of juice and taking a lot of money off you at the same time. And I think that's where a lot of the mockery came from, is that not only is the product obviously 
you know, the concept appears to be defective if you can squeeze it yourself with your hand. It's just that, you know, they're charging an awful lot of money for something that doesn't, uh, once you look into it, appear to be remotely good value uh, on, on any level. I, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, well, I thought the, it was the video of her just squeezing it, just I was I was laughing. Yeah. So what they need to do is they need to have the machine remotely disable the juice bag if it detects you squeezing it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You're cheating. Yeah. Oh, right. man. We do want to thank our sponsor this week. It is uh, MaxSales.com. Do they sell juices? They don't sell juicers that I'm aware of. Uh, one of the things they do sell, though, is a power to you. Now, if you live in the United States, you you constantly have to plug in the gadgets, right? And everything mm-hmm. charges via USB. Well, they've got a really cool, it goes right into the wall. You replace your wall socket, your power outlet, with a power to you. And it comes with, you still have your two power outlets, but now it has two USB ports right there yeah. built in. So if you replaced a whole bunch of these in your house... That would be, you've always got a USB charger wherever you're at to plug in. Yeah, I've done this in in a couple of rooms in my house, and it's fantastic. Because all of a sudden, you're not looking for the bricks anymore. And the bricks take a lot of space up on your your sockets. Yep, and they sag. And and then you can't use anything else in that socket. Yep. Whereas with this now, you can have, um, I mean, the one in my my bedroom, for instance, I have have the TV plugged in there, and then I have uh, an Apple Watch charger and a phone charger plugged into into the socket as well. It's nice and neat. There's no, you know, ugly bricks. There's just cables coming off. I can route them wherever I want. Uh, and then, you know, it, there's nothing worse than, than, than saying, oh, I want to charge this device I've got. Um, you know, all right, I found the cable. You can always find the cable, but never the brick. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And cables <laughs> yeah. are cheap. You can buy those anywhere. Now, yeah. we've talked about counterfeit cables in the past. but So be careful on the cables that you're getting. But if it's the yeah. cable that came with the device, it's fine. But you oh, can you pick can, one of these the up now. Way, yeah, the best way of doing it, actually, is you can get these little key cable, like yes. keychain cables. Um, and you just have one of your key ring, and it just has uh, USB on one side and then lightning or micro USB on the other. And you've always got it with you. And if you have these in the house, you can just plug straight in and, and put some juice in your phone. Now, these were about 30 bucks to 40 bucks, depending on which one. You, you get a 15 amp, you can get a 20 amp. Right now, they're all under 10 bucks, So you can get yeah. a 15 amp universal fit. $9.75. You can get it in a white, almond, black, and ivory. So, yeah, and, uh, and this again, is awesome. You know, we, we talk about cheap cables, but actually, when you're messing with power outlets, you don't want cheap, um, no name stuff you might buy, get off eBay or, or Amazon going into your into the power of your home. You want something with a, a warranty and, and a company that stands behind, behind it. So, buy these ones. Don't buy the, buy the cheap ones you might find in the store. Absolutely. And, and you know what? They innovated this product. This is this yeah. is where it originated from. So keep that in mind as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about the MyMac Podcasting Network. There's a lot of shows up that's gone up since our last show. Now we skipped last week. We had internet connection issues. Uh, I did post up on Twitter, and a couple of people gave me sad faces. And um, <laughs> you wait to see how sad they'll be by Christmas. Yeah, I got an email. I'm not going to say <laughs> from who that said it's too bad that David lives in a third world country that doesn't have good internet. You know what? I I uh, I kind of hear you on that. Mm. I don't, maybe a third world city, let alone a third world country. Yeah, we'll we'll go that route. <laughs> well, at least a neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, recent podcasts in the network include Essential Apple Podcast number thirty nine, the Mac Pro. It lives. Of course, we talked about that in our last episode as well. 
So make sure you guys go and check out, uh, you know, see, see what's going on up there. Uh, Let's Talk Photography is, uh, boy, they're all the way up to episode 43 already. They're, they're really strong with that show, as well mm-hmm. as Let's Talk Apple. So those two shows, Bart's doing a great job with those. He always has really good guests on the shows. Uh, yep. The last MyMac podcast, as we record this, was number 652. Um, and they're talking about iTunes. Uh, we have Geekiest Show Ever, 254. We also have uh, a couple more. Uh, to be honest, Mark's been a little uh, lax on getting them posted at MyMac when the show's actually released. But he's brand new to the network, so that's understandable. Yeah. Uh, so there's episode 38, 37, 36. He's got quite a few of them up there. And, of course, Geekiest Show Ever, they've got one called Our Favorite Geeky and Non-Geeky Gifts They Received. And that's episode 101. So if you guys are looking for content to listen to on your, I don't know, Android, iPhone, maybe your computer, maybe you're still rocking the old iPod, you can't go wrong with the MyMac Podcasting Network. If you simply go to... Uh, MyMac.com and click podcasts, you will see a whole list right there of a ton of shows that you can subscribe to. And you're going to have new content pretty much every day. So we want to thank our sponsor, MacSales.com. And we want to thank our fellow podcasters in the network for, uh, for promoting our show as well. Yeah. So it's cool stuff. Um, (laughs) you know, Blocking ads is kind of a thing now. Now, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, I, I'm still using uh, uBlock, and I believe you're the one that told me about uBlock. I am, and I'm also still using it. Um, yeah, big fan. There are times that I actually turn it off. Yeah, because- me too. Sometimes you'll, you'll go to a page and it will say, oh, I see you're using an ad blocker. You know what? We really depend on the advertising revenue. And I will turn it off. Turning yeah, it off. Yeah. I will. And it, or if it's a site that I go to all the time that they don't have super annoying flash ads and auto start videos and all that crap. If I go there a lot, I'll turn it off. Yeah. Because I want them to get revenue. But those aren't the sites that I use it for the most part. It's... It's the CNNs and, you know, just the annoying websites that just, there's banners that are just flashing and uh, it's just, it's it's uh, intolerable. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the worst offenders at the moment is MacWorld.com. Go yeah. there. Or they've got those, those things, you know, where they, uh, you're reading an article and some of the page, some of the words are in a different color. And if your mouse pointer accidentally touches one of those words, then you get the kind of this interstitial pop up. Yeah. Um, I tried those ad, once at my Mac an and disabled it. You just select yeah. it. Well, you didn't. You don't select it. You just kind of hovered over. Yeah, oh, I I, use, I tried that uh, very briefly at my Mac. It seemed like a uh, kind of a neat thing, and I disabled it within a couple of weeks. I was like, "This is terrible." Yeah. I this I'm not going to destroy somebody's. Um, I'm not going to destroy the readability of our creators' content to to make a nickel. Yeah. So I bring this up. Because Google is going to add an ad blocker to all versions of Chrome. Well, this, yeah, this is a ru- I don't think this has been confirmed yet. This is a rumor. This is apparently something they have, they are looking at. Um, and initially, you kind of think, hmm, that'd be quite nice. Except. 
<laughs> let's all remember Google is an advertising company. So let's say yeah. they actually did this. They built this into their own web browser. Do you think they're going to block Google ads? Uh, no. So if and they're not blocking Google out. ads, wouldn't that be yeah. illegal to block all their competitors but not their own? Well, so so Google is, is apparently a member of something called the um, Coalition for Acceptable Ads, which is an industry group that uh, that claims that it's 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 there to try and improve the the online ad experience for all of us to try and stop the mo the more um, egregious things that some of these uh, advertising companies do. You know, the kind of ones, and they 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 kind of if you go, if you read their copy, you kind of read the you know pop up full page interstitials that that you know kind of go over the content and videos with sound that play automatically when you go to a web page and um you know pop ups that pop up in the background and you know stuff like that things that that uh, kind of launch other programs on your computer like you've ever had the ones where they they basically point and they you know kind of a, a, a in-app purchase game like um you know um or Fire Kingdoms or something like that, and so you go to the you go to the web page, and then what happens is the um, iTunes bangs up in the background and and starts takes you straight to the download page for the for the uh, for the game. All the, that kind of really really kind of sketchy stuff. These guys say no, we want to get rid of all of that. We just want to have good ads. Uh, and yep. Facebook and Google and several other big um, you know social media companies are members of this coalition. Uh, and the, the 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 story that we read said that the parent, apparently the Chrome browser would be set so it would not block these good ads, just the um, the nasty ads. But of course, all Google ads, I would imagine, no matter whether we judge them to be a pain in the neck or not, would be classed as good ads. Hmm. Mm. So yes, you then you think, well, hang on a minute. So this is, you know, Google, the Google Brow- Google Chrome browser share is probably well over fifty, sixty percent of the of all the browsers that run in on computers in the world. Uh, and now all of a sudden they're blocking everyone's ads except for the, the ones that them and their friends have approved as being, you know, non-obtrusive. You know, they're they're you, part of this coalition. You said right, David? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I, you know what. We need to start our own little thing. <laughs> We're going to start an association. An association, the, the, no, the, not coalition. No, an it's an association of yeah. fed-up consumers, or <laughs> AFUC, a fuck. <laughs> yes, that's just how what the, the that's just how the letters fall out. Yeah. Uh, that, it's just <laughs> yeah. that's it's AFUC. It's a fuck. Yeah, yeah. I hope no one's thinking uh-huh. I'm saying a bad word there. I am totally no. not. Yes, it's F-U-C. Huh. That's, that's what it's A-F-U-C. A fuck. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be the name of this episode. Uh, yeah. We're starting the association of uh, we just don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> 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 we're going to take it. We're going to take donations. We're going to get please, 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 please give. <laughs> Please give to uh, the Association of Fed Up Consumers. So, yeah. you know, we want your money because we're part of a fuck. Yeah. Um, you know, look, this is the problem is to, you know, my first reading with this is well, this sounds like it should be the sort of thing that 
you know, could should perk up the ears of antitrust regulators. You know, the world's biggest avatar, online advertising platform has developed a web browser that will only show ads that they deem to be acceptable, including all of their own. Um, and I, I would imagine that uh, should you follow some policy guidelines and money changes hands, then you might be able to be a member of the um, Coalition of Acceptable Ads and have your ads appear in Chrome. In some respects, it, it seems like a really stupid thing. But in others, I kind of almost like the idea because... Look, there's acceptable ads and unacceptable ads. And, and broadcasters a long time ago started accepting good ads and not accepting bad. If there's subliminal advertising, if there's color flashes that's going to cause someone to have a seizure, they don't they don't play those ads. Um, there's ads that you can't have, like the emergency broadcasting system sound in. So there are standards. Uh, some countries have ads that you cannot attack another product. You can't do a direct comparison. So in some respects, I kind of respect the fact that some big companies are saying, you know what, the, there's really bad ads out there. It's degrading the readability of content or the viewability of videos or what have you. It's making a worse user experience. The problem is... A company like Google simply cannot be in charge of this because the temptation for them to use their monopoly in the technology that you use to view that content is antitrust. Is anti? Yeah. Uh, you can't do it because because basically what you immediately do is you you stifle innovation. Yep. You prevent other advertisers from getting their adverts in front of your in front of of consumers except by going through a competitor yep yeah that's that's the problem with it yep and you know look we all, a lot of people really hate advertising i'm not a big fan of online advertising and you know and the difficult there's, there's several difficulties first of all is this thing is it's all it is is a guerrilla war so all that happens is that the advertisers will either pay they become whack-a-mole or, or yeah, or, or they'll figure out ways to get around it, and then Google will adjust and, and all of that sort of thing. So there's no guarantee that's going to achieve the intended outcome of a better user experience. And all the time this is going on, you've still got the, the problems of bandwidth and tracking and privacy yep. and all the other things that kind of get pushed to one side when when this sort of thing gets gets put forward because well you know the benefit of of better ads means that you just kind of have to suck it up that we're going to know everything you're doing uh, and all of that sort of thing so yeah it's it's yeah and and of course over time depending on how their financial performance goes they may be tempted to relax the standards a little bit or decide or convince themselves that something that that you know i mean who gets to decide what's an acceptable ad i guarantee you the only user group in this community who don't get to decide which ads are acceptable or not are us the users of chrome yeah <laughs> you know I, I think it's a slippery slope i hope they don't do it but if they do we'll be here to uh hold their feet to the fire in the execution yeah. and here's the thing i don't like ads either nobody does but i respect the ads because they pay for the content that we enjoy. They simply do. 
and and it would be hypocritical for either one of us to go, oh, we hate all ads because yeah. we just got done doing ju- an ad. Yeah, we we just did an ad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. We're, we're ta- we, when you talk about the stoplight or the the MyMac Podcasting Network, that's a lot of shows. Guess how many shows outside of ours has an ad? None. Now, not all of the shows, but the majority of the shows in the network are on my server that I pay for. So that basically means that OWC advertising on this show is paying also for all of those other shows to be on this network. Yeah. But you know what? I'm quite sure that we have listeners who hate the OWC bit and probably skip past the OWC. I'm sure they do. Yeah. I have no. And that's. And that's acceptable. I mean, I get it. Yeah. It's different, though, if we were to amend the podcast with technology to prevent you from doing that. That's exactly my point. <laughs> yeah. If, if we made it so you had to hear that. Yeah. That would be an issue. And I wouldn't yeah. do that. You know, and no. in, until OWC was a paid. And look, I, I've been podcasting for a very long time, David. The original show that I did, the MyMac podcasting or the MyMac podcast, which is still going strong with Guy and Gaz. When Chad and I started that show. We were one of the very first podcasts on the planet that had advertising. There was a point that I had three or four different advertisers on that show. And so I know what it's like to have ads that will pay for the content you're creating. And I know what it's like from my own personal pocketbook when you don't have ads and I'm footing the bill for all of them. Mm. I like ads. <laughs> yeah. I like ads a lot. Now we're yeah. we're in a unique situation with OWC as a sponsor that it's a company that we both respect. We actually like the products. We actually like the company. That's rare. Most of the time that you hear ads on podcasts, you know these people aren't using those products. They're it's just yeah. an ad. And some of the ads are super obnoxious and we're not gonna do that. But what we can't have is software that would prevent the user from not watching the ad. Yeah. I, I don't like that. No. Um, you I'm, know, a, I'm about choice. Yeah. Fortunately, Chrome is not the only browser on the planet. And um, if they were to go down this route, I suspect it would have an impact on the number of people who use Chrome. Yep. But, you know, let's let's not kid ourselves. Um, would it kill Chrome off? Absolutely not, because a lot of people don't care. Let's talk about this last topic real quick here. Let's, well, yeah, but this kind of is related because one of the things that winds you and I both up about this sort of thing is the fact that when the fox is guarding the hen house, when the advertising and media companies and the marketing people are in charge, well, you know what? Their, their motivations are not always pure. They often can get themselves particularly when they're very creative and you can imagine these guys sit around having a meeting to kind of brainstorm ideas and that sort of thing. They can lose quite a lot of perspective. And that's why some of the most terrible things happen. Like as we had saw last week, you know, a guy gets forcibly bodily removed off a plane and, and the CEO says, we apologize that we had to reaccommodate one of our customers. You know, it's, it's kind of this tone death, um, you know, marketing speak where you think, do you, you think you hear words that people say and ideas that people hand you? You think, do these people not have a soul? 
are they so dumb and so obsessed with their own ideas that they don't realize what they're doing is fundamentally wrong? Mm, well, they and this was, it out pretty this quickly. was a good example of it where um, we had a, a marketing campaign that uh, was associated with the Boston Marathon and they decided it would be a good idea to issue T-shirts with a slogan on it. And the slogan was... Uh, you survived Boston Marathon. Which is fine in that plenty of people say, oh, I survived the trip to Disneyland. I, you know, I survived you know, Thanksgiving with the in-laws, that sort of thing. It's a common phrase, yep. except, unfortunately, a couple of years ago at the Boston Marathon, there were a few people who didn't survive it, and they weren't even running. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's pretty crass uh, and stupid. And it's amazing that something like that would actually make, I, I, I could totally understand if they came up with the idea in a brainstorming session and then somebody maybe a little bit smarter and a little bit more cultured said, you know what guys, this might seem insensitive. Remember the Boston marathon had that terrorist attack. Oh God, yeah. you're right. Yeah. That would be, whoo, that would, that Chuck, would be, you're oh, smart, man. Dr. Yeah. We, you know, we, we could have caused ourselves a real problem if we'd gone with that campaign. Yeah. But apparently nobody who had any authority to say this is stupid actually got to do this. This was this was Adidas, by the way, who who uh, sent this. Uh, it wasn't a T-shirt. I apologize. Adidas. I thought it was a T-shirt. It wasn't. It was an email where they said, congrats, you survived the Boston Marathon. Yeah, from Adidas. Um, stupid. Yeah. Now, you know, they didn't make it. It's not an in-ad how. Uh, in-ad. But you know damn well whoever the marketing company for that was. Don't have that account anymore. You would hope not, but having said that, you know what? I see again. I, when it comes down to corporate responsibility, I can't imagine the marketing company was given that campaign and just told to run with it without any level of approval. Yeah, yeah but when, from it, the, from when, the when it hits some, the fan, there must be people in Adidas who had sure. to oversee those decisions and said, "You know what? I think that's fine." It's Adidas. I, well. Are you absolutely sure about that? Pretty sure. <laughs> Here in Britain, we call it Adidas. Yeah, it's Adidas. Yeah? That's what Steve Jobs called it, so it's Adidas. And he, and he was smarter than we were. <laughs> well, at least he had better taste, of, you know. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm not going to go down this route in no. case I also commit a, uh, commit a, um, a faux pas in saying something thoughtless. But you know what? At least that will be just on me, and it wouldn't have gone through 20 Back levels down. of management before it finally got out to the public. Right. Then I have to apologize and explain why David's no longer on tech. Uh, yeah. After your AFUC, we might not, we not maybe neither of us that. Uh, it's initials for the Association of Fed Up Consumers. <laughs> it's, a, it's going to be a real thing. People, uh, by people the way, think it's I'm, I'm, looking at an article, I'm, all, I'm looking at an article here on um, Business Insider UK saying, if you're an American, you're probably pronouncing the sneaker brand Adidas as Adidas. Yep. <laughs> That's completely wrong. It's pronounced Adidas. I'll believe it when it's an American publication that corrects Well, the brand the... is actually German. So over here in Europe, we kind of know. <laughs> I don't know. And besides which, it actually came from... Adolf Dassler was the uh, founder of the company, and his first his nickname was Addy. So Adidas, that's why you see? get Adidas. See, Adidas. See, well, I'm right. Adi Adidas. Yeah, Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Get back to using your aluminium computer already. <laughs> uh, yeah, over, over my third world internet. <laughs> <laughs> David, it was fun this week. It was, yeah. We uh, will, it's uh, always good when we get a bit spirited. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's that's what makes good shows, I think. And next yeah. week, we probably won't be as spirited because we're going to talk about something we both agree on, and that's how wonderful Marvel slash Disney is doing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That is our topic for next week. There's new trailers out that we really haven't talked about from Guardians of the Galaxy, um, yeah. from the Hulk, or, I'm sorry, Thor. Um, so yeah. get caught up on those trailers. There's going to be spoilers galore. So if there's Marvel movies that you haven't watched yet, you should probably watch them before the next episode if you're going to listen because it's going to be probably rife with some spoilers, but we're going to talk about upcoming movies and the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you know what? Some of the, the, the really bad decisions that had happened in the past that led up to what we what we're very fortunate to have today. It's it's a magical time to be uh, a geek. Yeah. It's it's never been a better time. And I think Marvel and Disney is in, it has captured that market unlike anybody else with Star Wars, with Marvel, with the Disney brand itself. And everybody else is racing to play catch-up, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. So that's the topic next week. We'd love to get your feedback on this show. Or if you have any thoughts coming up for next week's show, what's your favorite Marvel movie? I'm going to put that out there right here. What is your favorite Marvel movie? And you can even say why if you like. It's easy to get a hold of us. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Hit us up on Twitter. It's techfanpodcast or my Mac, you know, at my Mac. It's that's I'm there too. Uh, and of course we are on Facebook. So any one of those ven- uh, venues, give us your, your top Marvel movie. Which one do you like? And which one's coming up? Are you really excited about? You, did you see the new star Wars trailer? Of course. Oh, looks pretty good. Looks pretty <laughs> yeah, good. it is. I, I mean, I'm, I'm entering that, that phase now where, you know, Shutting I've down. seen the first trailer and now I need to stop. Yep. Stop ingesting content between now and Christmas. So I, ju- that I, can I just started reading. I just reading started reading Thrawn, Timothy yeah. Tim, uh, Timothy Zahn's book. Tim, is that, uh-huh. that right, Timothy Zahn? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Really good. All right. See you later, David. See you later.